Hey guys, welcome back to Timeless Truths, our man's excursion through John's first letter. Bringing the word to us tonight is the one and only Phoenix Vandale. Phoenix is a newlywed. I had the honor of marrying him to Anastasia this summer, wasn't it? Yeah, May 30th. Yes, he's a new member of the staff at Brahms Ice Cream. So if you ever go there, be sure to look him up. The full dip when she orders it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. He's a former. He's a former student at Pensacola Bible College, and he's a Californian by birth and uh, Texan by choice. So Phoenix, we turn it to you, brother. All right. In the words of the great Monty Python. And now for something completely different. Um, This is probably going to be a little different from the other ones that we had. Um, I'm going to have you guys read a little bit more because when I ran through this uh, with my wife, it was about 20 minutes, about 15 minutes, because I decided to quote everything by memory, and that um, speeds it along a little too quickly. Um, So somebody, would somebody go ahead and read the passage of 1 John uh, 4, 1 through 9? In a loud voice. John 4. 1 through 9. <clears throat> Beloved, do not believe every spirit to test the spirits where they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is because who is in you is greater than he is who is in the world. They are of, of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let everyone love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that he might live through him. All right. Uh, when I see that that passage, the first thing that sticks out to me is that there's three. Um, in the passage we read, there's two two things that you're testing for. Uh, the testing for uh, whether Jesus Christ has come in, in the flesh, uh, and it, the latter part they're talking about uh, love, whoever loves. But right before that passage in 3:24, there was another test, and I think that that probably should have been part of this too. That's uh, whoever keeps his commandments. So those are the three tests in this passage that it gives. It obeys, uh, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and um, and love. Um, I'm probably going to veer off my notes just a little bit, just to, uh, just for a second here. Um, the interesting thing is when people say that whether or not Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, um, I, I was... Uh, I said, well, nobody believes that he didn't come in the flesh except for Gnostics. Um, Gnostics, by the way, are um, people from the the early church era who believed that um, Jesus was a spirit and did not have a physical body. Um, 
I was talking to some people this week, and uh, we were talking about different things, and they were telling me that um, that he was not really born of Mary, because if he was born of Mary, um, that wouldn't be right, because there would be half Mary and half Spirit's DNA. And so there was a long discussion as far as that goes, and their impression was that he was just manifested in her womb, not part of Mary. He wasn't actually born of Mary. So <laughs> when I when I was reading this passage, uh, when he was reading this passage, um, somehow that just stuck out to me, just right off the top. Um, that's not part of my notes at all, but I just wanted to share that because it was an observation just I couldn't pass. Um, the thing about this passage that's a little different, there's a lot of faith and love in, in 1 John. And throughout 1 John, it seems to have a very positive tone. Um, and you, you see that throughout the whole book. And when you look at this passage, this is, um, in the way I like to explain it, I think it's balance. Because those who come to God must come to God in spirit and in truth. It's uh, John 4.24. And that's what Jesus said. And so we have to have the spirit, the right spirit. We're being affirmed. We need to love. We need to love one another. We need to obey his commandments. We need to do all those things. But we also need to test. We need to examine. Uh, and the things that we're supposed to examine in the passage is spirits and prophets. Well, to me, that seems to cover about everything. <laughs> because the spirits um, is the, the influences people have. Um, uh, whether or not it's just an ethereal voice that you hear in your head or a, a burning bush or uh, somebody said the spirit told me this, or spirit told me this, whatever. Those are spirits. Well, prophets are uh, in modern contemporary times are are men that come with information. Um, the way we understand it in the church is um, that pastors would be con- considered more of a prophetic role as understood by the church today. Uh, so to to me, the the testing is all encompassing. It, it's not necessarily limited to just people that hear a voice and then proclaim a message. We're always supposed to be testing. And um, In Acts 17.10, that's the first passage on on your sheet here, it goes, um, Then the brethren immediately sent out Paul and Silas by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more fair-minded than the ones in Thessalonica. In that, they received the word with all readiness, and search the scriptures whether to find out whether these things are so. They didn't just hear what Paul had to say. They said, I'm going to check it. Because um, that's the most important thing. And then you look at in Thessal- uh they said they're more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Well, uh, Paul also told the, the Thessalonians something, too. He said to test all things in First Thessalonians 5.21. Test all things, hold fast to. Oh, I might actually have to turn to that. <laughs> and hold fast to what is good. That's what it is. Okay, sorry. I knew I knew that by heart. That's just crazy. Um, so we're supposed to test all things. All things are are supposed to be tested by us. We're supposed to make sure that because we're responsible for ultimately what we believe and what we do in our lives. Uh, in the end, we're not going to be able to cop to somebody else and go, hey. So-and-so told me so. Well, what did you do about it? Did you check it? Did you at least 
Look on the internet? Did you at least ask Google <laughs> before you believed it? You know, um, you know. I'm pretty sure God's not going to just say, well, so-and-so told me so. I was just following orders, you know. And, uh, Jesus, when, when he talks to the Pharisees, um, he has a very strong opinion on people that take up the role of authority over people. Now, uh, we all understand we're in uh, 1 Peter uh, 2, 5 through 9, it, it talks about us being the priesthood of believers. Now, what that means is we all have the same access to God. Now, if we all have the same access to God, that means it is our responsibility to come to God. It's not somebody else's. When, when Jesus, um, let me read this passage here. Uh, it talks about, I guess I'll start a little earlier. Talk, it's talking about the, the, the rabbis and the teachers, okay? It says, they love the best place, places at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplace and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for there is one, your teacher, that is the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for there is one father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for there is one teacher, the Christ. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant, he who exalts himself will be humbled. And um, I'm going to read this last passage because I think sometimes it applies. But Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of, of heaven against men, but you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So so wrong was what they were teaching that it was steering people away from the truth. So he had strong words for those who would take the place in between God and man. And that that place, there was a priesthood then. <laughs> there was people who were to stand in the gap between between God and man. Um and this this gap is now filled by one man, not by a priesthood class. In uh, first, I'm going to read First uh, Timothy two five. I'm sure you all know it, right? I'll just it's uh, you know there's one there's one blah, 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 blah. okay where is it? Let me read it exactly. For there is one God. And one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So there is one person who stands in the gap between us and God. It's not a group, a class of people, or an appointed uh, profession. We, since we are we are in a priesthood of believers, we are all responsible with our relationship to God. It's not delegated to any man. So that's why I just that's why I titled it "Discerning Truth from Error: Being Bereans in." The era of just take the educated guy's word for it, because that doesn't get us any far when when it comes down to what we're accountable for. The standard um, when we look at what we how we need to judge what we hear and uh, what we hear people say, what we pe- see people write or whatever, there is a standard, and we are to judge what's counterfeit, and what's real. When it says there is a spirit of the Antichrist, the word anti, I'm sure you've heard this already, but the word anti means in place of, or false. It does not mean he calls himself Christ. 
Uh, I don't believe personally that the Antichrist is going to say that he's Christ. He's going to be a false messiah. He's going to be a false savior to the world because that's what the word anti means. It means in place of somebody that takes the place of Christ in his proper role. When we um, when we look at what's counterfeit and what's real, we need to look at what's true first. And we, we study the real thing and not the fake. You don't look at all the different religions of the world and go, gee, I, I think I know what's true by reading Buddha and the Koran and... Um, and spotting counterfeit money, don't you study the real money? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one thing. Um, and the standard is not just the New Testament, because God is not limited to um, the Gideon Bible. I don't know, if when I grew up, uh, they would pass out Gideon Bibles at schools. Uh, nowadays, they'd be taken out back and shot if they did that. But, you know, uh, they used to do it. And it would always be, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, and New Testament. Well, is that the complete story of God? No. I say it's not. There was one man who said that it is the complete story of God, and his name was Marcion. Um, what Marcion said was that there was a good God in the Bible and a bad God in the Bible. He said that the New Testament God was a good God. And the Old Testament God was what he called the Demi-Mersh, or evil spirit. Because in his opinion, God acted differently in the Old Testament than he did in the New Testament. And they really liked the way he acted in the New Testament. Well, Part of the problem with that is, is that all the people in the New Testament had all read the Old Testament and all knew it. It was a common base of understanding. They didn't have to go quote what Moses did, except when you're Stephen and about to get stoned. You know, so they pretty much all under, understood the Old Testament and the whole story. That was a common understanding. So they knew that, and what was presented in the New Testament was a balance to the Old Testament. And when you take out one side of it, it's not a correct picture. And and that's why I, I don't think that we can be true followers of Christ with just being New Testament Christians. When Jesus says he came to fulfill, you've got to know what he fulfilled. Right, exactly. You have to know what he fulfilled. What is he talking about? What is the base of understanding that Jesus is talking to these people and, and expecting them to know? Uh, they They probably would have known about some of the things that he did, wiping out whole peoples and the genocides and, and things that, that showed his holiness. And how God is intensely righteous and cannot stand evil. They would have understood those things. They would have understood the plagues and the story of um, uh, Aaron and Miriam and, and all those different things that show God's holiness. But they don't show as much God's compassion and mercy and truth. But it's there's one. There. It's still there. And I want to show you one example of where it is in the in the Old Testament. Now, who can tell me the name of the Lord? You're not allowed to answer because you know where I'm going. Who's who? Who can tell me the name of the Lord without looking? Ah, it was a trick question. He, he know he. This guy's a little smart here. Okay, we're gonna. Since you're so smart, you get to read Exodus 34, five through seven. Okay. And oh, by the way, the name is. Well, that's not, that's not, no, read this, actually. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. 
And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercies for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now this is what he said his name was. Not, okay, not going where you went, but this is what he said was his name. This is how he described himself. Okay, this is a self-description he gives. And when you look at this self-description, I actually wrote when I did had a, a blog, I did eight weeks on just this passage because it blew my mind. I'm sorry, but it did. Because the idea that God was describing himself and nobody ever told me about it before was just mind-boggling to me. You look at it, it says, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. This is the stuff that we see in the, in the New Testament. Mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. By no means clearing the guilty. Okay, that part, that's Old Testament. Okay, you see the Jews uh, wandering 40 years in the desert till all the people who gave God the finger died off. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, all right, so truth is not subject to how we feel about it. What What is true doesn't matter whether we like it or not. And some people in this society have taken the impression that it, I've heard this phrase, that's not the God I know, a lot, from a lot of educated people. And when they run into a wall and you've proven what you want to prove, and they don't like it still, that's what they go to. That's not the God I know. But the God that is doesn't care what you think. He is. He is self-existent. He is. I am. He is whether or not you like it or not. And unfortunately, that means that, means that the truth of Christ and the truth of Yahweh is going to be things that people aren't going to like. Uh, I remember, I don't know where this, how this is, this might be a rabbit trail, but um, I always heard that passage, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. To me, that says the church is missing something. Um, I'm not talking about atheists trying to tear down Christmas displays either. I'm, I'm more thinking about what they tried to do to Jesus' followers. And then the followers after that. And then the followers after that. All those people suffered persecution for decades and decades and years and centuries until suddenly the world reached out and gave them a giant bear hug and, with Constantine. And then all of a sudden, everybody was forced Christians. Something was wrong with the church at that point. Something was wrong. If the world is embracing, Jesus said, all those who are mine hear my voice, and the, those of the world do hear not my voice. The, so if the world's embracing Christianity and giving it a giant bear hug and giving it two thumbs up, something's wrong. It's not, Jesus said he came to convict the world of sin. Um, that doesn't sound like something's popular in an American society that thinks everything's okay, and we should be okay with everybody thinking everything's okay. I'm not going to get specific, but you all know what I'm talking about. Okay. 
so I'll, I'll hop off that soapbox. <laughs> All right. Um, so the pic- God doesn't change throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. God does not change. It says in Numbers twenty-three, it says God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Now that means a change in direction, a change in flow, alter course. A, a lot of uh, repent people think it means I'm sorry. It does not mean I'm sorry. It means you actually do something different. <laughs> if you're sorry and don't do anything different, you have not repented. Yeah. So, okay. has he? What has he said and he will not do, or has he spoken he will not make good? God's word that he gives to man from him will never fail. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of lights, with whom, the Father of lights, there is no variation or shadow of turning. God has not changed. Who he was in the Old Testament is the same person he was when he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. That hasn't changed. And it does a great disservice to people to just look at the words of Paul and not see the words of Yahweh. So, um, what's... The example that I give of how what Jesus said was not new is something I found in the Beatitudes. Um, you guys have all heard the Beatitudes. How many people uh, have heard before that the Beatitudes were something new that Jesus taught? Nobody? Oh, yeah. I'm, I've also been bad teacher. Because I... <laughs> Because I've heard growing up in, in Baptist churches, I've heard at Pensacola Christian College at least six times, oh, this was a new thing that Jesus was given from the Beatitudes. These are Beatitudes. You're supposed to attitudes that you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All right, great. And they're brand new. But, okay, but here's the thing. All of those Beatitudes are found just in the book of Psalms. And I gave them here. So, um, Thank you. Yeah, blah, 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 you can look over it, whatever, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> but, um, alright, so where was I? I just got lost on the, alright, Jesus' message was radical but not new, got that already. So what we were testing, we were testing everything, and I wanted to give a little bit of um, extra, extra stuff on spirits. Um because I think that modern American culture has, has led us astray a little bit on what spirits is. When people think spirits that are average, ordinary people, they think supernatural three or, you know, paranormal activity or whatever it is, those movies I don't watch. They think ethereal. Well, throughout the Old Testament, these angels visited man in actual human form. I'm just going to give you a couple examples. I'll give you the, the if you guys want to write this down, okay. Uh, you want to test me like the Bereans. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In, um, in Abraham, uh, Genesis 1 through 18, uh, they came and they ate with him. In, the, in Genesis 19, 1 through 13, the two angels came uh, to Sodom to rescue Lot. And these were actual physical people that the people 
of the time uh, thought were real so much so that they wanted to fornicate with them. So, obviously, they look real enough for them. Um, just a few more examples. Uh, let's see. Genesis 23, Jacob wrestling with with the Lord. The angel of the Lord. And let's see. Um <clears throat> What's that? The 21 day prayer. I don't know what you're talking about. Prince of Persia. Okay. <laughs> right. There's a lot of passages that talk about um, spirits coming in physical, tangible, human looking form. Um, and when the. Okay, well, I don't need to go there. Um, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Basically, to say that it's not just the ethereal that's spirit. Spirit world can can reach into the tangible. In Hebrews, it says Hebrews something something. Uh, it says that. Uh, let's see if I have it on here. I might actually have it on here. No, I don't. Of course not. It says in Hebrews that um, entertain strangers, for you may entertain angels unaware. Okay. And that tells me, if you're unaware that they're angels, they're probably not hovering, and you can see through them. I'm just saying, you might get a clue at that point. I'm just... (laughs) So, um, the spirit world can also be tangible. So, when we're testing men, we could be testing spirits as well. It's not just what we think of as ethereal. I think... um, uh, gosh, I feel like quoting uh, uh, Usual Suspects. The greatest uh, greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making you think he didn't exist. You guys never... Okay, you guys are not big. He knows that one, okay. But the point is, is that we think that these spirits aren't around because we don't see them. We don't see floating ghosts because everybody's told us, well, that's what spirits look like, floating ghosts. Well, they could be that, that dude coming to your car that's acting kind of creepy. Or they could be the homeless person you just passed on the street asking you for something. It could have been either one of them. Um, and, and just a quick story. I remember when I was uh, younger and there was um, a person that was naked on the street and I was late to get home from work. And I felt like I wanted to do something, but I was late. So I didn't. I didn't give him anything. But who knows? That person could have been somebody that could have given me a blessing from God if I had decided to place other people more important than myself. I don't know. Um, All right. So let's see. Where were we? We were somewhere in the Bible. Okay. Testing spirits. Uh, we, we pretty much covered that pretty good. So how are we supposed to test them? And Am I missing a page? I am missing a page. Okay. Or missing something. It's not on my, my, my version. There's a list of things that we, how we need to test. Um, we need to test the, those three things that, that says in the passage, okay? Are they being obedient? Are, are they loving people? Uh, do they say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? There's more than just that. Uh, it says those who 
uh, or mine hear my voice. Uh, I thought of um, when I used to call my wife and talk with her for hours and hours and hours when she was in New Hampshire, okay? Well, sometimes her sister would pick up. Her sister, just like her. Yeah, so how would you test her? (laughs) I'd ask questions. And I think that we need to ask questions too, even when something sounds good. Because it says at the end that the Antichrist will come to deceive even the elect, if possible. And so some of it's going to sound pretty good to some people. And we need to ask a lot of questions. Um, let's see, First John oh, 3.24, that's behavior. Um, we also need, the, the standard is to, to Christ. And I want to read something about how we're supposed to listen to Christ. I know that's obvious, right? But it was because it was because the children of Israel rejected the voice of God directly. And so uh somebody turned to Deuteronomy eighteen, fifteen through nineteen. between Jesus and somebody else, I choose Jesus and some um and that's just the way it goes. Um we're also supposed to look at creation and who, what God has done. What God has done is the the other test that we need to show. Because when I look at who a person is and um I can see if they're acting out of their normal behavior. Um, you guys all know your spouses or your friends or whatever. You, you know something, there'd be something that they could do that wouldn't be like them, that wouldn't be characteristic. Now, for example, if I called my mother and someone that sounded like her picked up the phone and started cussing at me and started telling me about the latest movie, the already movie that she saw, I guarantee you that would not be my mother. I I put money on it. I don't care if I'm calling the right number. I can see the person talking on the phone to me. It looks like my mother. I can tell you that's not my mother. 
because I know her. I know her voice. I know her actions. And that would never happen for many reasons, but this just would never happen. <laughs> um, and also creation. Who he shows himself to be in actions is also around us. If, um, for example, a lot of people um, see some of these churches that say God is, God is love, that's true. But when they say God is love, there's a parenthesis that's just in there. The word just love. Because they don't look at the other side of God. They say God is love, and what they really mean is God just wants to hold you, give you giant hugs. Well, that doesn't match with his actions. It doesn't match with what you see in creation. In, uh, in Romans 1, we like to put God in our image. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see. Roman, uh, for since the creation of for since the creation of the world, his a- invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made. So, the things that are here in the world around us show who God is. Show us a picture of all about God, even to His eternal power and fullness of deity. So that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, became futile in their thoughts, and the foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. So, if you can look around at the world around you, and you're saying something that don't match with what everything else is, probably what you're saying is not true. So if you're a universalist, and think everybody's going to go to the same place, we're all going to sing Kumbaya together and hold hands and love one another. Yeah, it doesn't match with what God has shown in creation. Um, and I do want to read a, a, a passage from first century, uh, second century Christianity that to me uh, speaks speaks on this a little bit. Um, from where? Wisdom of Solomon. Huh? Wisdom of Solomon. It's a early Christian contemporary book. Yeah, it's, no, it yeah, I was purposely trying to avoid that. Good job. It actually was a scribe that wrote the book um, to somebody in the second or third century, and it was a response um, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and what it says is, for deceitful thoughts separate from God and his power, when it is tried, reproves the unwise. For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor into a body that is subject to sin. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when a righteousness comes in. This may not be from the Bible. It may, may not, but it's truth. It's truth. Uh, God does not abide unrighteousness and if you decide to um, give go a direction that's opposite from God, you are not operating under His Spirit. I can I can say that without with less controversy. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think is there anything else? Okay. Uh, the responsibility is ours that we we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's, I believe in Philippians somewhere. 
somebody might know better than me. Is it in Philippians? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. Um, the responsibility each is is each ours because in in Revelation it says each is going to be judged according to his works, whether they be good or they be bad. Now the judgment of the, whether we should go on this hand or this hand may already be decided, but that doesn't mean that God still doesn't have a say on what our actions were. It says, I heard an interesting sermon. Um, I was driving somewhere. I almost never listen to radio preachers. Uh, to me, somebody that's, that's on the radio doesn't have my respect. <laughs> just saying that because they're making money on it. I just don't. But what he said was, was very interesting to me. He said that, he said that if you are treasuring up treasure for yourself in heaven by your good deeds, you might actually need it. There may be a purpose for you wanting to store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Could it be that it's not just symbolic and that that life that we live in heaven has some play on the actions that we live here on earth? Maybe that that currency, that treasure that we're storing up for ourselves in heaven is some sort of currency in heaven. I don't know. But it's, if it's not symbolic, if we are storing real treasure for ourselves up in heaven, I'm pretty sure it's not to look at. I'm just, you know, I guess my favorite word is I'm just saying, but, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I have no idea what time it is. Have I gone over or not? No. Okay. So I I think I'm done. If anybody has any questions, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Okay. Here at the end it says we should test against the standard. Uh-huh. Inferring also test to Yahshua. Yeshua, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mhm. It was actually the, it was, it said like, it, yeah, it was, this was laid out completely differently. It was to Jesus and what he's done, to Yahweh and what he's done, uh, Jesus' words, uh, what God has done through creation, it was a little bit different. I think that didn't get saved the way I wanted it to. Okay. We're, we're talking about against the standard which you read out of the scripture. Right, right. And the other. The other one is in uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. The fear that you're talking about there, is that the one where you cower in the corner waiting for your next feeding, or is that the fear of respect and love of God uh, as you would a, a divine monarch? Well... No, and yes. Uh, no to the first one. No to the first one. Unless you deserve a beating, then you probably should be scared. No, I'm just, I'm being honest. Do you deserve a beating? Because it says God chastens those he loves. If you deserve a beating, you probably should be scared of beating, you know, actual punishment. Because God reproves and and wants to bring us into a better relationship with himself, so maybe sometimes it is beating. And then sometimes it, the other times, it is that he is the holy, just God who has a holiness that burns our retinas and we can't even look at him because he is so awesomely holy. And Moses, when he came down from the mountain, shone for a week. Um, 
talking to some Jehovah's Witnesses, and they were they're trying to. I was trying to tell them, well, yeah, Moses saw God. And all, no, he didn't. All, uh, he was shining when he came down from the mountain. Was that a light bulb? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a radiation poisoning. <laughs> Anyways, any more questions? Oh, yeah. It's dwelt on my mind for about a month. And it has to do with blessings and spiritual. It brings the blessings. Mm-hmm. In a huge part, 24 hours, my family, little arena, about a month. <clears throat> month and a week. Oh, week. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've come to the conclusion with my wife had already come to the conclusion I don't listen to her like I should all the time. The worry war affect of people dwelling on revelations and what it all means past the letters uh, remark that tells you what happened to the churches that Paul started, which is a great part of Revelation, to me is because if I sit around and worry, okay, that's all I'm going to do. But if you get up in the morning, like we have learned to do lately, it's been empowered in us. It's been, we did part-time, but now we're full-time. We talk nothing but blessing in my home. We think nothing but blessing in my home. That's awesome. When things go awry, what's it going to do when you have nine granddaughters and three great granddaughters and daughters everywhere? Yeah. Think on these things. Whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is just, whatever is... That's a test for you. Right. Yeah. Don't worry. Test test where these worries are coming from. And what you said about Revelation was true, too, according to my understanding... Prophecy is not here for us to know the future. Prophecy is here to affirm God's authority. God is, is going to tell us what's going to happen. We ain't going to be able to figure out till it happens. And you know, when the stuff in Revelation happens, I'm pretty sure we're not going to look like the smart ones. Only he is, because he's the one that wrote it. The stuff about Jesus that, that, um, that was written about Jesus you, they they had no idea until Jesus came that it was talking about Jesus. Yeah. Um, so the the whole point is is to live in a way where we are honoring God and who the Spirit of God is, and that is a m- more positive attitude with life around us because we are thankful for what He has done for us. Yeah, I'm affirming what you said. Okay. <laughs> Good. I think I think that was a no, my uh, that was my cane. It's worth looking at that. Stuff. Yeah. Because Bounce. if you look at apologetics or whatever you want to call defending the faith, you really need to have the information that the other guys have gotten from. Yeah. Bouncing off two things he said. Um, as Bible prophecies fulfilled, there it, it oftentimes will be in ways we never thought. That's right. All right. So the Bereans. Uh, you know, were they in the synagogue? Where were they at? Yeah, the synagogue of the Jews. All right, they, they had the Old Testament, and so um, 
they hear about Jesus fulfilling prophecy, they had to go back and look because it wasn't like they thought. Right. So they, they were checking it out to see, yeah. to see the way they're, they still they're read Jeremiah 31, 31. Yeah, they, 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 they still yeah. wouldn't have got it because it the, sometimes yeah. the... the, the it's going to be unveiled at the time of the end. Like it says in Daniel, for the prophecies about the end times, we're going to understand it when the time comes to understanding. When, before that time comes, it's not open to us. All this, the book is closed. The book is closed. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Okay. I appreciate the scripture you used about the Bereans. Yes, sir. It's really a good scripture to use because Saul of Tarsus, who was Paul, was, I think he was probably the journeyman of the Old Testament. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, who could, who could? He was it. He was, he was the man. And he, he probably knew more than these guys yeah. would ever know. Yeah, he studied under Gamil. It says here that the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, so they received the message with great eagerness. And I think we should have faith in our our ministers to receive the word with eagerness, but like Reagan said, trust but verify. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And and so they received it with eagerness, and they, then they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So as great as he was, they they weren't impolite. They weren't unkind. And and he, I'm sure he just thought that's just great. They gave him a green light. Examine the scriptures yeah. because all yeah. that he learned in the Old Testament. I mean, what? the Old Testament. They, yeah. All that he learned didn't completely make sense until he met Jesus. Yeah. Right. And that's when it all came right. together. Well, and that's why he was able to go in the synagogue and preach Jesus. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say is that. The people who know they they believe the truth are confident enough to have somebody test them. Right. I the people who are the least sure about what they believe are the people who will react to you in violence. Um, like the 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 people who went to stone Jesus and they went out and what are they going to do? The whole temple is seeing this prominent miracle. Well, that happens today with people who preach things. But when they're tested, they get angry and violent. The people who are the most peaceful and showing the character of God are willing to have themselves be examined. Yeah, that's good. So you're 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 giving me the picture that Paul actually Hallelujah has validation almost every day. That's good. Wow. That's good. Check it out. You know. Well, thank thank. That's good. Thank you, Phoenix. Anybody else? Um. So, Phoenix, my takeaway is you pointed out three ways of testing, you know, obedience. And is Jesus, did Jesus come in the flesh and uh, walking in love? Um, there's one other, and then and then you taught on this standard, who, who God is as revealed in the Old Testament and, and not contradicting the New and uh, an example was the Beatitudes, and you you did some homework here. Mm-hmm. I covered for us how the things Jesus said were reflected in the Psalms, mm-hmm. which which coincides with my belief. I believe the Psalms is a revelation of the New Covenant, because mm-hmm. David should have been stoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, 
He got a taste of the new covenant. On on more counseling. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. And then you talked a bit about spirits and, you know, all that that word can mean. Um, And then uh, this grabbed my attention. We don't have, we don't need uh, to be taught by any man. And of course, what are we doing in here being taught? You know, we're teaching each other. this has to do with Jesus being the man in our life, and it also has to do with us being quick to spot error. And spotting error doesn't take a college degree, really. And earlier in the book, John said this, chapter 2, um, verse 26, These things I have written you concerning them that seduce you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you also abide in him. Which coincides with what he read, written by early church fathers in the second century. Uh, The Spirit's not going to have anything to do with maliciousness. I enjoyed it. I think you did a good job.